just give the album rating out of five and then um a little description uh i personally think it's a perfect album man it's flawless like you know what do you give out of five five out of five easily you know because i think with this album it's like you know he found a way of like mixing you know different genres together like you know there's funk there's folk there's a uh, hip-hop there's jazz and you know there's different things all together so you know i feel you know this is definitely his best album and you know there's not really any other album that comes close to it like i know a lot of people will say gkmc but i just don't good good kid man city yeah yeah you know what's weird is that when i listened to pippin butterfly like at first i was like you know it grew on me instantly and i know some people that listen to it on first listen and they literally had to listen to it like two or three times but i didn't get that vibe with it i will give this uh five stars um i'll be honest with you um i don't know i've fallen off a bit because uh with kendrick's latest album i actually haven't heard a single track off that album um <laughs> yeah am i a real kendrick fan or, or you know more preferential to j cole i don't know but no if i was to like give my top five um going five to one i would have to say um black panther then unreleased then um good kid um sorry uh to pimp a butterfly number three overly dedicated number two and section 80 number one Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So I left out Good Kid. Good Kid is good, but uh, it's not good enough. Not good enough. Five. But yeah, th- what I love about this, um, it does speak to me personally. Um, you know, you look at um, Complexions, you look at, um, what was it called? You. You look at, um, there was another track, uh, You Ain't Gotta Lie. You know, sometimes being that kid where you feel like you don't quite fit into the culture and stuff like that. It, it, I really think that Kendrick did his best to, like, represent for the culture. So, um, you know, when it comes to conscious rap and, like, guidelines on how to put in a good, like, tape for conscious rap, yeah, this one definitely sets the standard and definitely is the measuring stick. What do you give the album out of five to start off Uh, with? 1,000. Okay. I'd give the album 1,000. It got 13 Grammy uh, uh, nominations nominees or whatever, and that, that was tied with Michael Jackson. So I don't I don't think this was like like a regular album. I think this was an album for that that's probably timeless. And um with this album I think through his story he touched on multiple points on what it's like to be black in America but also in a lot of parts of the world. To from even having um Rhapsody uh on the at the end of Complexion to, yeah. to give a woman's insight on what it's like to be beautiful and black. I think it was like the nail in the coffin touching every single angle. So he did a great job with that. And it definitely inspired me, for sure. Um, I do music myself, and it had a big impact on uh, a project that I made after hearing this for the first time. So, yeah, i give this like a 1,000 out of 10, for sure, again. Um, and uh, with these albums, uh, I'd, what would a top three Kendrick Lamar albums there, yeah, I'll probably put this one first. Okay. Mothers. I think this one had the biggest impact out of all of these albums. Yeah. Um, Second, probably Section 80. And third, uh, you'd have to put this one, man. The one he just released. I think that was a piece of art. Oh, Um, the Big Steppers. The Big Steppers album. I think think that was constructed really well. So, um, yeah, that's it. Um, It's been me.
Uh, hope everyone have a good day. Yeah. I don't give anything five out of five. I think the most you can get is four point nine recurrence. Oh man, you're one of those guys. Such thing as perfection, you know, you gotta always strive for a little better. Yeah. So that's as close as you can get to perfection. I think it's up there with like songs in the key life. What's going on in like one of those kind of seminal, yeah. all time albums. To be honest, and I think it's definitely like the top ten hip hop albums of all time. And I think you've got to think about when it was made, how it was made. Kendrick went to South Africa to make the album. Yeah. How much dollar cost? He's that was with a man in South Africa, and it's like him getting out of Compton, going to going back to Africa, kind of connecting with people, expanding himself. Him being the butterfly, expanding himself. And I think there's a lot of it's multi-dimensional. It's not just about looking in. It's also about looking at the societies he's in, the people he's hanging about with, like just everything. So. Yeah, 4.9 recurring, as good as it gets. Cool, 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 cool. Well, if you round it up, that, that's a five. <laughs> Personally, I would I would give it a solid five. A solid five? It can it only would. go as good as it would. Get as if good we're as doing like. out of five, I would. Yeah. And that's because, just like to agree with you, I think it is 100% like a timeless album. And not in a respect that we're going to just listen to it forever but you're going to listen to it as your ears and your life experience matures. Yeah. Um, each song will sing to your blackness different depending where you're at in your elevation. And I think if you are yet to experience certain things as a black man or a black woman, you might not listen to certain songs the same. So personally, it is my favourite Kendrick album. Um, These Walls is actually my favourite track. Okay. Um, because you could look at it as a prison cell or you could look at it as the inside of a woman what is her body saying to the relationship with a black man? There's so much in that in itself. But yeah, there's a lot of hidden messages, but I always look to the title kind of more like, as black people, we've kind of been robbed from the luxury of always knowing how beautiful we are. Yeah. And almost like we've been putting down a little bit in the society, call that controversial, yeah. but we're stepping into a place where we're understanding um, our freedom. Yeah. We might not see our beauty, but we're understanding our freedom. So yeah, I'd give that a five. I think out of five, I'd give it a five as well. But obviously, the, all the fantastic points that have, that have been given, but it's also a matter of fact that when you listen to the album and the narration from start to finish, even as a journey for himself, but in relation to how he sees, let's say, if he's talking about how he hates himself and like how he's having all these different thoughts to coming through and saying how he loves himself and like we're all going to be all right like not just speaking for himself but for the masses and even speaking from like obviously if you know Kendrick and some of his earlier albums looking at the narration of from where his life was speaking about his friends inviting them to the Grammys and being like oh wow I want you guys to see this life that I'm living but also you know, it's also a curse within itself, having to invite my people, wanting them to share all these glories that I'm having. And when you move forward to that, it's like I'm coming back home. Then you listen to like Institutionalized, which is the one I was talking about. Hello. Hi. So my name is Lexi. And out of five, I give the album a 4.5. Um, I know it's, I know, I know it might be a bit, <laughs> it might be a bit low. I'm trying not to be too right, biased because yeah. I actually, I love Kendrick, like genuinely love Kendrick. Um, to be perfectly honest, when the album first, first came out years ago, I didn't like it as much as I do now. And, um, I think some of the songs that he released 
um, back then I wasn't really that fond of, but I found that with time, the songs, I it's not even necessarily that it grew on me, but it just impacted me so, so much more, especially that I feel like in today's world, it just impacted me on a whole different level. And to be perfectly honest, I feel like I can't actually listen to the album so much because it makes me so upset yeah. and so angry. Like I see this album as literally like the Negrohood anthem in the in the best way possible. Like it, I feel like he, this album in particular, he drew on a lot of influences. Obviously, he's a West Coast rapper. I feel like there was a lot of um, southern influences there in a way like I can hear like a huge kind of southern tone to it um, particularly with some of the beats and everything and the rhythm and melody and I just I just love it and like hearing how he introduces well not introduces but like he incorporates spoken word and like poetry a lot into his music it just I don't know like it just does something different to me and I think the reason why I d have grown to enjoy this album so much more is because it reminds me back of like how you know back then of Crips and Bloods like they were not formed to out of hate you know from uh, from black man to another black man they were formed to help their community they were formed to help their people to help their children to help their women and listening to this album reminds me so much of that of like not just Black Panther movement not just Again, not, not just Black Wall Street, not just those uh, black empowerment figures, but even of the modern day um, gangs that they have in America of how they were, their, the intentions of why they even started in the first place was out of good intentions. It was to build a community for us. And, you know, unfortunately, obviously we've, you know, people have lost that through time and stuff of the streets. But I feel like this album captures that. I feel like the album captures the beauty and the essence of that. So yeah, I just I just adore Kendrick. But yeah, where does this album um, rank in in like your Kendrick like top five? Oh. <coughs> I was about to say three, but to be fair, it could it could go for a two. It could go for a two. What do you have above it? I love Good Kid, Mad City. Okay, I okay. love Good Kid, Mad City. Okay, yeah. okay. So. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's me. First and foremost, album is perfect. Um, so I'm assuming you're giving it a five. I mean. Or four yes. point nine recurring. No, 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 no. Perfect. <laughs> Off the scale at this point. Uh, the reason why I love the album is primarily because of how well executed it was. I think it was one thing to be ambitious about wanting to have a, a concept album. It's another thing to execute it and to hit the nail right there. Kendrick did a lot of research for this album. He went through a lot of work to make this album the quintessential classic album that it is in terms of gathering the musicians, in terms of the life experiences that he had to pull from, in terms of the sample that he, he collected for it, and just the, the sheer length he went to. Like a lot of these, a lot of these songs on here are original songs. Um, the song that you mentioned, these walls it's an original track there is no sample there he got a lot of musicians in the room and they started jamming and they created that song from scratch i feel that was an an element of hip-hop that is that's not seen as often in the mainstream away from the musicality of the album how rich and condensed it is 
is another aspect of it that I love. Like each track is a commentary on society, and it's a commentary on society as as a whole, but also as on us as human beings, as black people. And you can tell that he really sat down and he really dug deep to be able to pull some of these lyrics and make the analogies and the the points that he wanted to drive home from uh, uh, from uh, the first track all the way to the last track, Mortal Men. Like it's just so much that you can pull away from it and. The fact that this has been studied in universities and it's been made to have documentaries and think pieces and people were creating breakdown videos of all the themes that he explored, it's just a testament of how how much thought he put into it. And I think the third aspect of the of why I love the album so much is the impact that he had that he had. Like the fact that I personally saw a revival of jazz and I started incorporating jazz into my everyday playlist a lot more based on this album, I saw a lot more artists putting live instrumentation into their music. I became an even bigger fan of Rhapsody off of this album. I got to know who Terrence Martin is. I got to know who Kamesi Washington is. All of these people, I wouldn't have found them if it wasn't for this album. And the fact that it became an item for the Black Lives Matter movement, the fact that it was so beautiful cinemat cinematographically, like the music video that he released for it, all of these things just made the album grander than life. And I feel like if you want to think about an album that crystallizes where our society is in the past, in the present, and even in the future, based on the commentary that he made, that album would do it for you. Um, I definitely rated a five out of five. Okay. Um, and for me, the, the track that hits most for me is All Right, um, because a lot of it was filmed in my hometown in Oakland, California. Okay. So yeah, it definitely touched um, a part of me just kind of seeing, it always hits every time you see the Bay Area kind of um, given praise by somebody so huge Yeah. as Kendrick Lamar. And um, when that song came out, uh, it was, Trump was elected like, right, not too soon yeah. after. And during a protest of us like walk, marching in the streets for it against that, um, somebody played that song out loud and I cried yeah. <laughs> during the protest. Yeah. Cause I was just so scared about what that meant. And unfortunately this song will always be super relevant. Um, so yeah, that's just my favorite, favorite track. So you're from um, California. Yeah. Right. Um, like how has like, how has like the city like viewed, um, the trajectory of Kendrick from like the very beginning, like till now? I mean, the Bay loves L.A. rappers, for sure. Um, yeah. And, like, the influence goes back and forth between the Bay and L.A. all the time. So definitely the love for Kendrick is huge. And I feel almost ashamed that the first time I'm going to see him is actually here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with the tour that he's going out with now. But, yeah, um, for sure, the the love is definitely felt in Oakland for did, did, did people in California, like, connect to his music immediately, or did it, like, take time? I mean, like I think someone else said, it's, it's so universal. Yeah. He definitely speaks from every region, every, you know, just the black diaspora is completely in Kendrick Lamar's work. Yeah. And I think he definitely makes a point to depict that every time he does an album. Um, so I don't think it's specific to California, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, everyone. I think everyone had really great, like, thoughts and insights and, I guess, to add a different lens to it not being from the black community i think it also transcends like culture and it allows other communities to understand what you're feeling as well which is i think quite 
beautiful in a way to also connect all of humanity together to solve these social issues that quote unquote divide us um, and it's so meta that he like you know takes it out of so many perspectives and zooms so far out that you know really makes you reflect on things constantly um, and he ends it so well with mortal man and how it kind of goes into that real deep chat with Puck and how they kind of analyze what the future might look like for the generations and I guess growing up as a kid you can probably understand that and take that learning and then use that for your own good and then go from there. So thank, thank you for that. Um, that what, firstly, that what do you give the album, a r what do you give the album out of five? Oh, five, 100%. Five, yeah? Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, like touching upon um, the fact, like as you said, like, um, you know, you're not, um, you know, you're not a part of the black community, so to speak. Like as a listener, like what do you extract mostly from the album like is it um something which is um pertinent directly to the black community or do you see it as something which transcends past that bit of both i'd say okay he steps in the shoes which allows you to feel and kind of understand the emotions that he's conveying but then also the message that he's trying to take on, you know, like we've got to look past these problems and try to look in ourselves, And I think that's so powerful. And then obviously that's how he's taken on the journeys with the rest of his albums as well. I give, um, so is there someone that wants to speak, Liam? I think so. I just wanted to say the black community loves you, bro. Okay, cool. Um, as far as... As far as what I give this album out of five, yeah, I'm I'm with Idris on this. Like I think I think if we're talking about like a perfect album, like this has this just has this just has to be it. You know, I think um the thing with Kendrick, like for me, um I followed Kendrick since um since overly dedicated, right? So this would have been about from oh nine. Right, and even like from from then, I could see he had all the attributes, you know, to be one of the one of the best to ever do it. You know, not to say I'm that guy, but you know, I'm that guy. <laughs> but nonetheless, but nonetheless, um, there's nothing um, which I saw from that that could allow me to like forecast him creating like a a good a good kid mad city or uh, to pimp a butterfly because we're talking about like quantum leaps like within you know the scope of music you know um i think um an interesting thing um about this album and which is why i was quite particular which is why i was quite interested in 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 uh, what you had to say about it right was because um as much as like it touches upon you know, racial themes of like blackness and the black community. Um, there's a strong element um, which which transcends past that. And I think um, the fact that he's able to speak to, to to both worlds in a very, very direct way as far as um, those who um, relate to Kendrick from a more experiential standpoint and to those who may not, 
you know, I think we're talking about a master, a masterman in, in the craft of actually being able to like communicate very complex, um, very complex, you know, dynamics and themes in a very simplistic way, you know. And um, as was just mentioned, like the depth to this album, I don't think you can ever really fully grasp it until you start to grow as a person. You know, I think that's what you said, right? Like I think it's one of those albums that the older you get and the wiser you get, the more dimensions you start to um, experience the music through. So um, I, won't take, I won't take up, you know, the whole floor. I'm the person asking the questions. But um, yeah, five out of five for sure. In fact, I think that's an understatement. As far as this album goes, like who do you think like Kendrick had in mind in creating um, this album? Um, I think primarily like from his point of view, God, and okay. then himself. Um, and yeah, I think honestly, those are the, the main two things because um, like from his, from his point of view as someone who does believe and has faith, um, the the idea of god is essential to the to the entire to the entire thing like your growth as an individual your growth with your understanding and relationship with yourself which is intrinsic in your relationship with faith and god um and i feel like that's probably from from what like from his point of view is what enables him to to make this like you use the word transcendent but it's like i feel like it goes kind of both ways like it goes inside and all the way to the outside as well like it's um, something that's so beyond the self uh, and beyond community that it's it's primarily made for for something beyond us. <laughs> got you, got you, got you. In the interview, I heard him say he wanted to make something um, that his parents could dance to uh, and vibe to and funk to. So um, I think that would be my answer for that, quoting off what he said. Um, and I can hear it in how he portrayed himself as an artist compared to the previous albums. He really took it there with, um, you know, classical black music sounds, you know, from every angle, from every instrument, from every style. So, um, yeah, something for the for the older generation to move to. I think he would. Cool, cool, cool. Nice one. Um, I think one of the biggest one of the biggest influences for this was um, I remember reading somewhere that the original original name for the album was To Pimp a Caterpillar. Yeah. As in Tupac. Yeah. Tupac. And so you can really see that like duality with everything that he does. Like he's trying to play his role, but he's also trying to play, you know, what people thought Tupac was. He's also trying to, you know, get more into the idea of who people see him as. So for example, like nowadays you have his new album, he's got that song Savior. Yeah. It's like that misconception with people who see who he sees him as who people see him as opposed to who he really is. And like the theme very of duality. Good, very good point, go on. The theme of duality is constant within the album. Like you have, you know, very deep lyrics, but you have the, the kind of consistent theme of, of value, like in for sale, for free, how, how much does a dollar cost? Like all of these things are continuously going out throughout the whole album. But you get, you know, Obviously, Tupac is the, the main reference that is a Gemini also. So that duality. Duality. Thing. Yeah. Kendrick's a, a Gemini as well. So, like, it's a consistent theme, and I think that he points at Tupac quite heavily with all of it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good point. Uh, th there's a point. There's a point I want. I wanna. If you leave him with the mic, because um, you said that, um, like people, like see him as like a savior, so to speak. Like, do you think that kind of savior angle is something in which we project onto him, or do you think that it's something in which he encourages? I think it's a bit of both. Like, obviously, everyone wants to be that rapper with substance. No one wants to, you know, like, <laughs> I say that, but at the same time, people make a lot of money not being that rapper with substance. Yeah. Um, I think that he's always wanted to represent his community, but we've definitely taken it far and beyond the person that he intended to be. So we project that, lab that, that label of, like, you know, the music that you make is going to save the world. Yeah. Whereas, like, he, he kind of wanted to make some music that made, made some people feel some things and maybe took some people out of dark places, but he didn't want to be the answer to Trump. He didn't want to be the answer to the pandemic. And these things have happened in society and people have looked to him for answers. But at the end of the day, he's just trying to be, you know, as he says in that, maybe another nigger. Yeah. And these things, it's, it's again that duality. It's like, I'm trying to be a regular human being, but at the same time, like, I can be flawed. I'm, I can be great, but I can also be, you know, a flawed flawed human being and all of this. Yeah. Got you, got you, got you. And um, I'll leave you alone in a second. <laughs> but, like, do you think that we, like, place too much responsibility on artists um, to be, like, a catalyst of, like, social change? I think artists artists have always been a catalyst for social change, but it's not it's not always been intentional. Like we look to music to kind of define and give answers to a lot of the things that we experience in life. But I also think that these artists have got to a point where they have to understand their power, regardless of whether we, you know, whether they intended to be in that place or not. So, you know, it might not be intentional, but they're there. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you. So personally, yeah, I think this album is like similar to Tupac's Me Against the World. Okay. Because if you listen to Tupac's Me Against the World and then you listen to To Pimp a Butterfly, you can see like similar themes. Yeah. If you get what I mean. And I think he kind of like listened to a lot of Outkast. Yeah, yeah, As yeah. well. So yeah. it's... This it reminds album me a lot of um, Andre 3000 actually. Yeah, this album Kendrick. is kind of like a mixture of Tupac and Outkast, if you get, you yeah. know, if you get the whole concept. I think everything that people have said, I, I think is accurate. And then it made me reflect on like the other albums he's done. And I almost feel like every album he's sort of ever made has always been a sort of investigation into himself. But it's always investigation into himself in relation to the experiences he's had. So when we talk about his transcendental growth and how he displays that on the album, it's also because he's kind of translating the experiences he's had and his life experiences are changing. So his relationship with music, his relationship with his family, his relationship with like his interpersonal relationships as well as wider society, as well as what it means to be like an African-American man who's made it out the ghetto and him sort of exploring all of those like experiences in relation to himself. So I think every album he sort of ever made is continuously sort of interrogating that and you can sort of definitely see that in his, his latest album. But yeah, I also didn't get to my, it's five out of five, of course. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all good, all good, all good. I definitely believe that uh, Kendrick 
in making this album, he was thinking about himself as part of the society of the black community, but also as a as a highly high profile black person. Like, how does he represent the black community, and what does that what does that mean to him? That way of how does he represent himself? Because the the themes that he goes through on this album, um, you can tell that he's going macro he's going macro by going micro like by being very specific about the experience that he's going through he's looking to make a he's looking to give you a perspective about the wider the wider issue or the bigger picture like when you look at uh, wesley theories for example that title is so intentional everything about this album is so intentional and that's almost to give you a, an idea of where he's standing how does he look at the world but also he gives you the chance of looking at the world from a different perspective how does somebody who is homeless and is you know looking to get something to eat how do they see the world how does it, how does the world look like from one of his homies who is on the block 24/7 and then overnight he gets invited to the grammy where he sees a lot of artists who have loads of money he may be standing cognitively of the fact that oh this is not a, a, a space where i can rob somebody but the mindset that he has been brought into or the mindset that he grew up with it's still prevalent and him being able to humanize those individual is what I feel Kendrick was having in mind when he was creating this album, Perspective. And you were, you were saying earlier how the, the, gr the more mature you get, the better you feel, the better you, uh, you take on this album. And I feel like that's one thing we can associate like, with wisdom. So the more wise you become is because you've been able to look at life from different perspective and understand that not, not everything is black and white. There is, there's nuance in life. And that's why this album hits better with people who have just accepted that life is different, um, it's a collection of different perspectives. So, yeah. I think if we look at the narrative that he's trying to paint throughout the album, where he starts off with, um, I remember he was conflicted, misusing your power, your influence for power. Sorry, guys, I'm just messing yeah, up. We're, we're with you, but don't yeah. worry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but I feel like if you take that narrative, initially you're like, oh, who is he speaking to? And then you think, oh, he's speaking either to himself or everyone else, but it's kind of a bit of both, where he's reflecting on his own experiences, but as well as saying, you would most likely as well have gone through your own trials and tribulations, through your own journeys in life, and therefore he can articulate what he's gone through and we can empathize and sympathize with whatever it is in whatever narrative narrative that he's taking us through. I think on this album, he does what every great poet, every great writer, every great storyteller really tries to do. When you mentioned that point about discussing the macro by talking about the micro, that's literally like the like 101 thing that you're supposed to do as like a writer. And I think... Just talking about even going back to like the name of the albums, like to Pimp a Butterfly, like one of my favorite, and also Jordan mentioned, um, he's like made quantum leaps. So bear with me, there's there's a connection in these two points. Um, one of my favorite, like <laughs> I guess, physics theories um, is obviously like the butterfly effect and like chaos theory, and that sense of a butterfly's wings flapping somewhere can like create a typhoon somewhere else. So that sense of the micro influencing the macro. And when you look at how he sort of discusses all these different events happening, it's almost like they're happening, sim happening simultaneously, but also they're interconnected. And then going back to like himself is almost like going back to the butterfly, going back to the potential sort of... See, so yeah, I told you it would, it would connect. It would connect. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I wanted to pick 
pick back off of what you had said earlier when y'all two were like talking about is the artist like are they pinned for being like the savior or like as the artist like are they always is it fair for them to always kind of be seen as the catalyst for social change and to an extent i feel like as a true artist there's a bit of a responsibility there to an extent like even if you're not necessarily speaking as an artist on behalf of others because it's not always about you speaking from the perspective of other people you're an artist you're supposed to express yourself but i feel like through the expression of yourself through true and genuine expression of yourself you end up being the catalyst for that social change anyway because you'll talk about your struggles your tribulations your trials what you go through and i feel like kendrick has done that a lot throughout his career, not even just it with this album, but in a lot of his albums. And I, I feel like it's important, and I think this is probably why I love Kendrick so much, but I do think that as an artist who who is true to their work and true to the real artistry, it is, it is a bit of responsibility there to um, express what's real, express what's raw, express what is hard. So even if it's, again, just for yourself and you're talking from yourself, you other people can hear that other people can hear that and resonate with that and again even like what this gentleman said like he may not necessarily be a part of you know the black culture but he can still resonate you know feel, so find some parts of it that's relatable so I, I feel like that is important but yeah i just wanted to say that cool thank you for bringing that up um i'm just gonna ask you another question and i'll bring it to you okay and in fact i'm gonna ask her a question but it's also open to anyone and anyone who wants to, to answer it. So what I was gonna like go on to before off the back of our conversation um, is that on um, Kendrick's, one of Kendrick's earlier mixtapes, Overly Dedicated, um, he has a song on it called HLC, which means um, higher unconsciousness, um, to where he basically went on to say that um, he doesn't, well, he, he doesn't really drink alcohol he doesn't need to drink alcohol or smoke weed in order to gain inspiration, right, for his music. In fact, he doesn't even really indulge in those vices anyway, right? Then fast forward um, four or five years where he's a superstar. On this album in particular, on the songs You and All Right, he alludes strongly that he has a strong dependency on alcohol, right? Now, what would you say um, the impact of that newfound sense of responsibility but also celebrity had on him a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure and i think again that goes back to the, a lot of pressure to be the catalyst for people to be the catalyst for for black people in particular it's like even how i this is even how i think of politicians and you know obama went in you know very clean he came out all gray hair you know <laughs> silver fox and i feel like you know, just bringing it back to Kendrick, it is a lot of pressure. And because Kendrick, again, he's a West Coast rapper, but he is one of those West Coast rappers that touched everybody, that literally, like, even down to the South, to the East Coast. So he, his responsibility, I feel like, was much, much bigger or more, he had more eyes on him than a lot of, a lot of other artists. And not saying he was the only one, but again, he had a lot of eyes on him people looking to him to say, okay, how more can we express? Because even after To Pimp a Butterfly, he continued to do a lot of Grammy performances that, again, touched a lot on black empowerment, uplifting black people, and uplifting the community. So I feel like 
a lot of times you get, it's difficult for an artist because one thing is, one thing that's tricky is sometimes you get pigeonholed to doing something and fixated on one particular role or theme and then they continue on with it because people are looking, to, because people appreciate and because continue to look at you, to continue to lead them, to continue to guide them, continue to be their expression. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that he didn't, he has not been limited by that. He has not been limited by those themes. He continued to branch out. He's continued to still, you know, rap with in, in other ways and yeah, just continue to explore with his music, so. Um, I love everything that you guys said over here about the duality of it, about, you know, speaking to himself and speaking to others. I think personally, um, starting with the title as well, the whole butterfly concept. Butterflies are the only uh, creatures that have this beauty and can't see it themselves. Every other creature in the world can see a butterfly's beauty except for the butterfly itself. So if you have so much gifts and so much talent and so much beauty in you, but you can't see it and something else can see the beauty in you, then it gives, it empowers that other thing to pimp you out. To yeah you know, earn off of you to build off of your greatness, off of your beauty. And, and that is what I've always just taken that title of. Is, is, it is us being just milked and milked and grinded and grinded and grinded for all of our beauty and not recognizing it enough in ourselves and in our own communities to actually build on that ourselves and empower that, but actually to tear each other down. So you end up with this album of challenging you do you see your hypocrisy? Do you see, you know, do you really feel like you're gonna be all right or are you deeply depressed? Like if your walls could talk, what would they say? You <laughs> know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like it is, it, it, I think, yeah. So I think it was him kind of challenging himself out loud, but also challenging us at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah for right. Yeah, is that's, that's how I feel. And I, d I do wanna say as well, I, I love what you said as well about artists having the responsibility to, um, you know, to, to speak on our behalf essentially, but I do feel like as much as we do need, we do need the artists that are able to articulate the deep issues and um, deeper meanings and stuff, and that's why I love Kendrick, but you equally do need a day off. When life is this heavy, yeah. you need a, cause I'm happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. You need that moment, and that's why I love this album. So that is why it's my five-star album, because yeah, if I'm feeling really heavy and really, frustrated and stressed out, I, I know what I want to listen to. But most days I need to just be told I'm going to be all right because we're living in a very dodgy society. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? To say and the I, least. I, to say the least. And I really appreciate that I can get all of that from the album. It's, again, your theme of duality. I really, really love this album. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about the point that you made about sort of the butterfly. And I was just thinking about how also the butterfly is very fragile. Um, like, you know, it's very like light, delicate. Um, and you know that can also like lead to like further exploitation, etc. But then going back to your point and thinking about um, sort of like alcohol abuse, I think there's also like a lot of reference to sort of survivor's guilt that uh, Kendrick has and like, that he's like experienced. And you know, it's one thing to sort of make it out of like the place where you grew up and now you're like at a higher level, but then sort of you bring so much weight with you and. I think that also like reflects on on sort of him having to have to turn to sort of other outlets to to um to survive to cope, that. To cope. Yeah, to cope. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So cool. I just wanted to pick up on something that a couple of people said about 
him being a representative, him being some kind of spokesperson. I kind of see where people are coming from, but ultimately I feel like he's not a spokesman for other, anyone other than himself, his own art. And if we can draw stuff from what he's saying, draw stuff from his music, draw stuff from his performances, that's brilliant. But he's an artist first. You know, he's not an elected official. He's not a, yeah. a community leader. He's, he's an artist first. So let's just appreciate him for that, for yeah. being an artist. This amazing album with incredible music, incredible lyrics. Yeah. And not necessarily need to put him on this extra pedestal of being some kind of extra representative. Some kind of Superman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that, look at, I mean, I'd hate to bring it back to this, that other guy, you know. Who, who Kanye? George West, don't, George W. Bush doesn't care about black people. When he said that, people, because it's the right thing to say, it's a true comment, but people put him on this pedestal. level. Oh, he's, he's more than a musician, he's more than an artist. And I just don't feel that works out. Let's just judge him on the music, judge him on what he's doing, but. You know, we need to be our own leaders in a way, not looking necessarily looking for artists to do that for us. 100%. Thank you. Brilliantly said. I wanted to first answer the question that you asked earlier, like in terms of uh, him five years ago saying that he doesn't want to be associated with anything that's vice or anything like that, alcohol. Or oh, this was this was in 2009, so over like 30. Yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Then five years later on yeah. the To Paper Butterfly, he is admitting of being... Um, He's dealing with alcohol issue, essentially. And you kind of wanted to find out how did that happen. I think um, you touched on, on, on that point, the fact that on top of the pressure that it comes from being highly visible, just the sheer survivor's guilt, as you mentioned, but also being reminded by life that you are only human. And I think two experiences on this album drive that home for him. The fact that he was on tour and a few of his homies were killed and he couldn't even attend the funeral. No, he couldn't He couldn't be there for them. He had to just leave tour and then attend the funeral. And if he wasn't Kendrick Lamar, he probably would have participated in the retaliation that is custom of his neighborhood, or he could have done something else for that. Being limited by that because of his newfound status was something that he probably did not anticipate, and he had to reckon with that, and he had to face that. Secondly, his younger sister, 13-year-old uh, falling pregnant while he is this highly uh, revered figure was also something that he probably wasn't able to deal with properly. So he's become a prisoner of his own success. Yeah, definitely that. That sense of understanding that life is now different. Life is, life is not how you usually plan it. And on that topic of him being heralded as a savior of the black community, I very much remember Kendrick wanting to position himself into that that lane, that sense, that's also the intersection of where he is seen as someone who's going to bring hip hop back or he's going to be uh, the one that does not fall victim to the trap of society. And he wanted to position himself into a higher, on a higher strata than the average rapper. So he, he did seek a bit of that ability to be a thought leader or, a, or some sort of community leader. However, I don't think he understood what that meant, or I don't think... Or what it came with. Or what it came with, essentially. And I don't think we, as a black community, understood what that does to the leaders that we place in this position, which is why he made the song Mortal Men, because it's one, it's one thing to build me up to be this figure, but how do you react when I am only human at the end of the day? And, I make, and I make mistakes. Yeah, do you slay me and throw me to the side? Do you believe in anything that comes my way? And then his... Com his, uh, his uh, 
his thoughts on how sometimes our leaders are, can be engineered as well by the wider society. Like him talking about Lucy and the fact that, yes, these rappers will come out, they're very hungry, they're very easily impressionable, they can be easily manipulated. You've, you tied up some, into some deals, you give them the high visibility that comes with it, and then you just cut them down when, when you're done using them. So as you mentioned, the, the sense of the butterfly being easily pimped, him making a commentary about that was also uh, something that I feel like we need to be, to be mindful of because he's able to articulate so many things that we've seen happen before in the, in the black community, that sense of someone is starting good. And then somewhere along the way, something goes on and they're no longer sticking to the ideal that they started off with. Something usually happens when somebody is propelled into high visibility. He was able to articulate that well. Survivor's guilt is one of them. High visibility and the pressure of the public is another one. But also the challenges of now being in a new environment and not really knowing how to navigate that environment. You get, there's so many traps and I definitely feel like um, so many of these things contributed to him changing his lifestyle, changing his mindset, changing his perspective, which is why we get an album like uh, Mr. Morale where he's almost rebelling against that sense of being a savior because he understands that in that position he can be easily used to deviate people from, from the, the sense of uh, justice or morality. Sure, sure. Um, going back to what you said about pedestals, um, putting people on pedestals, I think one of the biggest problems as humans is we all put people on pedestals, parents, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, bosses, cousins, etc. And that naturally puts a lot of pressure on people. And if we want to make, I guess, progress, not just as black people, as people in general, maybe we should look to ourselves and not necessarily put people on pedestals. And you mentioned about um, him wanting to be the spokesperson of, say, you know, the black community. Um, I think we've got to remember that every black experience is quite different. So, for example, as a black working class lad, be a shock, I probably got more in common with a, a white working class lad than I do with a black upper middle class lad or a black upper class lad, for example. So, you know, if he wanted to be the, I guess, the savior and spokesperson for, for black people, he can't because every black person's experience is going to be different. Do, do you know what I mean? It's not all necessarily about, necessarily about a race issue. It can be a class issue as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I wanted to actually respond back to what this gentleman was saying earlier. And um, I agree. I do agree with what you said in terms of like we, we shouldn't necessarily put people on pedestals and we shouldn't be looking at artists to be our leaders. At the end of the day, they're there to do their music, they're there to perform and express themselves. They're not there to speak on behalf of everyone else. However, the only reason why I feel like I appreciate artists like Kendrick who, not saying that he's looking to be the spokesperson, but the reason why I'm glad that he is that type of artist where he does speak on behalf of the black community is because Otherwise, they'll forget. They'll forget kind of the struggles or they'll forget where they came from because of their famoushood and their celebrityism. Like, when you were talking earlier, I remember this interview that Lil Wayne had where he said, oh, I've, I've never experienced racism. That's never happened to me, you know? And, and, and he's, yeah. come, he's come from Louisiana. So <laughs> <laughs> I want him to stop and I want him to calm down. You know what I'm saying? And then I, I think about other rap artists you know, in the game. I don't want to bring up Future because I, I do adore Future, but again, like artists like, you know, Future or, you know, some other artists who talk a lot about, 
you know, gangbanging or selling drugs and a lot of stories which are not even true for them. You know, a lot of a lot of these, you know, running the streets and all this kind of stuff which wasn't actually true to their to their life, but they thought they were speaking to a black audience by, you know, talking about drug dealing. And I feel like that by with somebody like Kendrick kind of being not necessarily again, not deliberately being the spokesperson, but again, speaking on behalf of these issues, it's like, okay, yeah, we have somebody who's up there who's looking at looking f out for us, who's looking at us, who can sit here and say, okay, yeah, I remember this. I remember struggling through this, and I, I sit here and I, I feel you, even though I'm here and I'm on this kind of like, you know, celebrity stuff. Yeah, pedestal and celebrity style. Like, I'm no different than you. Like, just because I have more money, I'm not better than my black brother or my black sister. So that's why I appreciate that. And it's not necessarily to that we, again, have that we as black people in the community have to look to that person to be that, to, for them to be our leader. But it's to inspire us to say, yeah, I can be my own leader for myself yeah. rather than us listening to music with, you know, gang bagging and, and F and B's. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that, that's the culture. That's the lifestyle I want to live. Yeah, let me do that. No, you know, or, or listen to somebody like Lil Wayne saying, no, I've, I've never experienced racism. What are you talking about? It's like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what, what, like what really, like, have you, have you been so ingrained into the rap culture and, you know, had so many women and stuff like that come to you from every different continent that you forgot what it was like to be a Negro boy in Louisiana, New Orleans growing up? Like, so, yeah, so that's my point. That's it. Um, I just wanted to touch on your earlier point. Um, <coughs> I think there was a transition from him saying or not being as heavily involved in like drugs and alcohol to like that point in this album. If you look at like Good Kid, Mad City, where like the song Swimming Pools, for example, it actually like is like you want to be in a whole swimming pool where you're actually drowning off it. So I feel like you can then understand that trajectory if you listen to his music, because it's quite, like he has the storytelling nature throughout all of his albums. Um, but also I feel like there's, kind of coming back to that duality, is that he even speaks on his own hypocrisy, where one moment he's like, okay, I am this person and I want to share this vision with everyone. Thank you. But um, another. <laughs> Um, but then another part of it is like, I'm also this other person who I'm not proud of. And I'll tell you these actions of the things that I have done. Like for example, in um, these walls where he's talking about the girl that he's sleeping with as a retaliation to someone who's in jail. And it's like, yes, I also have my own vices and I have these other things, these demons, I guess, that I'm battling against. And it kind of helps within the narrative to showcase where he is in that snapshot of time. But just to kind of like touch more so on a bit of what you said, um, I 100% agree with you on the respect of like, as, as a black people, we do need to look within ourselves um, in terms of certain points of elevation. But I do feel like this whole project is actually Kendrick's ego versus soul. Um, and just trying to like, where he has got the consciousness and he knows what he needs to do to elevate, but he's been roped into this lifestyle. The reality is, as any human who's living the life experience and in the education of Earth, you are gonna have more 
battles, the more you learn spiritually, the more you heighten yourself, your consciousness, the harder it is to obtain it. You're going to get more tests and it's going to be like, are you really the person you say you are? So I feel like the whole project is literally him fighting his ego and you can only really ascend once you kill the ego. And that is an issue amongst black people. I've, I've literally been speaking to my sister, bless her, all week about this, but um, saying that like black people's biggest hurdle sometimes is not being willing to kill our egos so we can actually elevate in the way that we need to. And we can't put that responsibility to anyone because sometimes these rappers give us more ego and it takes away from our direct mission on earth. As far as like the album goes, you know, we have the caterpillar, we have the butterfly, we have the cocoon. Like what does um, that particular metaphor um, how does that metaphor relate to um, members in this audience more specifically? I understood it to be um, a symbolism of how capitalism operates, which is devaluing somebody or something and then choosing how to elevate another, another thing above it and exploiting that dichotomy between what's the what, who's the oppressor and who's the oppressor because I feel like the caterpillar and the butterfly, they're both living organisms. They're both the same animal, the same species essentially, just at two different stages and one is looked down upon, one is vilified, one is kind of seen as undesirable and then the other one is seen as the ideal, the beauty or the, the, the one to aspire to be but they are both the same animals at two different stages of their lives and the cocoon is that space where you mature or you, you, you evolve, you transition. And the way he was using that analogy was because of how black people as a whole, we are the caterpillars. You know, we are the people who are vilified. We are made to feel like we are the bottom of the barrel. There's a few handful that are picked because of certain attributes that are desirable to the wider society. And they get pimped for that whether it's our beauty, whether it's our intellect, whether it's our artistry, whether it's our, whatever it is, our strength, and we get pimped for, for those attributes, and then once they're done with us, we get discarded again. So, sorry, are you saying black people are the, in, in relation to this album, are yeah. you saying they're caterpillars or butterflies? Both. Okay, Because got it's you. the same species. Okay. How they are viewed or how they are um, treated by wider society differs on whether you're categorized as a caterpillar or the butterfly. And one caterpillar can become a butterfly. However, all butterfly will end up being discarded once their, pretty, their prettiness essentially fades away. Uh, and also the fact that he uses the analogy is because of how short-lived those animals are. You know, you're only a, a, a butterfly for so long until you die, essentially. So that's kind of how I understood that analogy. And what I, want, what, I, what I believe he was trying to get us to understand is that every caterpillar matters. Every caterpillar has value. It's worth somebody. And they only need a chance to get into a cocoon so that they can become a butterfly as opposed to being left to their own devices and only the few become a butterfly. We can all be butterflies if we give each other the space to be, to have a cocoon essentially. Okay, that's very interesting actually because I've got like, I've, I've had different feelings um, um, towards actually, like more so in relation to to what you are saying 
um, well, you starting off anyway in reference to like capitalism, right? Like, yeah, I saw, um, I saw the cocoon. I saw the cocoon as like an analogy for society, right? And within society, there being particular values, right? And depending on how you relate to those values, mm-hmm. um, as far as self-image goes determines um, then how um, you're able to 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 function within that right yeah. kind of speaking to what you were saying um Sherelle, um regarding that a butterfly can't see its wings or something to that effect it's on duty exactly in, yeah. in not being able to actually identify your own beauty makes it more easier for you to be prey yeah for those who are actually envious of you yeah so to speak yeah. that's what i got from it and and you're right in that sense and i think what i was trying to really speak on was the fact that society makes us value two the same species or two different stages yeah very differently and i think the aim should be to remove the 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 the, the binary remo- yeah remove the, the the connotations that are attached to each stages of our lives knowing that we are worth as much as the other person depends regardless of where we are in our stages of life got you and understanding as well that capitalism only thrives on making you believe that enjoy whatever you are going through right now for the hope of one day becoming a butterfly got you once you stop valuing yourself by being the butterfly and you 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 start acknowledging that i am a caterpillar and uh, and i should be treated just as well for being a, because I'm a, li- a living human being at the end of the day, then you start being uh, delusioned by all of these, uh, I guess, the trappings of, of uh, wanting to be a butterfly. Because a lot of people do so much to be given that title of being a butterfly, you know, to be that successful person. Or being famous, or. Yeah, you will chip a lot of your humanity and you will leave that behind, whether it's family, relationship, happiness, to be seen as that highly desirable person. And I think what Kendrick was commenting on was the fact that you don't need to buy into that, essentially. As a caterpillar, you are worth just as much. And in fact, the more you realize that you are able to um, essentially grow and be the butterfly on your own terms as opposed to being uh, yeah, the butterfly. Because if you are a butterfly under the, the control of the society, they will just pimp you because you, you became a butterfly under their conditioning. Whereas yeah. if you become a butterfly on your own terms, you're free. I guess uh, expanding on parts of Idris's point, um, for one, like I said, like 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 he said, like the caterpillar and the butterfly are one and the same. Um, I look at it from a micro perspective. You know, as we are born and as we interact with the world from uh, our early years, we're very much like caterpillars, just essentially just feeding and, and just taking in the world as we are greeted with it because um, the cat beer just feeds it just feeds it just eats it so we're just literally just receiving and taking in the world and i guess some of the the negative the negative parts of the world as well as the positive but most of the negative as well you know especially if you know if we are like we come dealing with trauma coming from like working across backgrounds and some of the ills and the perils of having to deal with the world um so that's just essentially that's the caterpillar it's just it's just res- taking, just taking in everything. It's eating. It's receiving. It's being, and you know, sometimes we have to, we we take in trauma that we don't 
necessarily realize it is trauma until later down the line. So that that's when the cocoon aspect comes in. It's like we're getting to that point where we have to, the, the metamorphosis is the is that it's that sticking point of okay, there's the there's the growth that has to occur now, you know, and it's I guess you know it's you've taken in so much of the world, but there's the change that happens. Is is when you're in the cocoon is where the change happens, um, and then when you become the butterfly, it's it is the resu- it's the beautiful it's the beauty of it. It's so you know if you look at our own lives, the the growing and the unlearning that we do when we become older. When we realize that a lot of the habits that we've learned as as we were younger, some of the the negative, you know, stereotypes that we've learned as we were younger, um, some of the ha- we have to unlearn and we have to uh, we have to strip them, and I guess we leave that in the cocoon, and when we grow and become the butterfly, it's the beauty, it's the it's the the learning that we've done, the appreciation that we have for our experiences that have made us into the creatures that we are now. And you know we admire the beauty of the butterfly. It is us now. You know the people that have been butterflies before us. We look at them and be like, okay, there's there's something to behold in that. There's, there's there are there is a beauty to to behold in their exp- being able to know that they've gone through stuff and that they've that come. That up they've had to struggle before they become a butterfly, yeah. essentially. And, and people are trying are looking to skip the struggle, which ultimately shapes you into a butterfly yeah you you, ha- you, you have to be the, you have to be in the cocoon to become the butterfly yeah you have to go through the growing pains you have to unlearn you have to process you have to deal with your, your you know deal with what you have maybe the trauma or the th- go cool. therapy to become that butterfly so nice one thank you um yeah i think i kind of in terms of what you said of the caterpillar the cocoon and the butterfly i kind of um absorbed it differently because I find that especially with me I can't speak for everyone here but when shit hits the fan I kind of like recluse myself to kind of take note of what's happened in terms of what's happened and how to get past your problems in terms and get to that stage of being a butterfly so I think that um, when he released his album after Good Kid Mad City going on a tour and being this this hype guy next up essentially I was talking to Jade about it we see Kendrick as like next up in terms of after Puck, after Tupac. So I think this album is kind of like him coming to terms with everything that he's gone through after being on that high, that mountain of Good Kid Mad City, and then reclusing into the cocoon to kind of like figure out what's going on and like how to how to react to this newfound fame and responsibility. Got you. And then afterwards, after coming out of the cocoon and becoming a butterfly and being more educated and aware of who he is and what he is and what kind of power he has. Wow, really good point. I never actually ever looked at it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I kind of do the same thing. Yeah. For me personally, it means um, change. So I'm going to take it away from a specific um, album of songs. Um, I don't know if any of you remember that show called The X-Files. There's one scene where the two FBI agents are standing and... She asks him, are you ready? And he says, it's amazing how things change. And he's looking at a caterpillar cocoon. And she asks, yes, she asks for caterpillars. And he says, no, for us. So change is coming. And she says, how do you know? And he says, a hunch. So for me, it just symbolizes, I guess, change. So for me personally, personally in my life, I've lost sort of 12 to 18 months. And for me, it's just all about change. Whether that's good change or bad change, that's what cocoons and butterflies and, and caterpillars 
pretty much simple to me. We've all had change in our life in the last couple couple months, years, babies, new jobs, whatever. To me, that's what it symbolizes. Just those three things symbolizes change to me. I just wanted to make a point in relation to the, you know, this metaphor. And what I find interesting about it is, as you were saying, like the cat, the butterfly is, the caterpillar and the butterfly are one and the same. Like the caterpillar becomes the butterfly. And I find that in the way he describes the metaphor, it's like the butterfly can only get pimped, so to speak, because it doesn't recognize its, its own beauty or its, its true self. You or know? value. Its own value. And I find that a big theme in this album is, you know, like self-image. And to riff off what um, Princess was saying earlier, like in the macro is a creation of the micro, self-image seems to be really important. And being able to see yourself as the butterfly um, dictates, like seeing your own value dictates whether you are going to be like, in someone else's game, uh, in someone else's structure, or whether you're going to kind of see your true value and express yourself from that place, and um, yeah, it, it, that's how I that's how I take the metaphor. Like you translating to you, like you, it's powerful for you to see yourself in that way. Like rather than just as a caterpillar, you can be a butterfly. Cool, great, thank you. But there's an interesting point. Um, or, or, or an interesting part in the album, I think it's after I, if I'm not mistaken, right, where he um, he um, gets the N-word and he essentially um, sheds light on its, on, on, its, on its true origin, right, and how it's um, and how it's a word which um, stretches all the way back um, into Africa and has more um, associations um, with royalty, um, more so than how it's been um, perceived in this in this day and age. You know, I guess tackling that same kind of topic of like duality, um, so to speak, like with with I guess like him. I guess with like the N word like being so um, so visible in our day to day culture, particularly like in music, what does what does that actually speak to in terms of in terms of I guess us as a community? Like, is that some is that a word in which we can really redeem, or is that a word which um, reflects? I guess a sense of self-hatred. Who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that sense of the cocoon, the thing that stops caterpillars from becoming butterflies is essentially a lack of resources. So the cocoon being made by the caterpillar itself, that sense of if you don't have access to leaves, if a predator eats you before you have like the chance to kind of blossom and grow. So there's there's almost that sense of when we're talking about change being, I guess, what the, the, the caterpillar kind of undergoes within the cocoon, but also before you can get to a place of change, you need access to resources. So I think it works on that level. To actually go back to your point on, I guess, duality and the use of the N-word, 
I'll look at like To Pimp a Butterfly just as, as the album title. So when I, I think I first encountered that, I obviously thought of To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee and what are the themes that are sort of touched on in that book. And essentially it's, it's sort of just talking about almost like duality, the, the, the nature of evil and good existing in one community, the nature of evil and good, and that sense of what morality looks like and human nature. And I feel like you get that same, those, so those same themes and that same duality within the, the album, but then also when you look at in the way in which the N-word is used, so when you talk about, oh, um, is it something that can be redeemed? I think for the people for whom they feel that it can be redeemed, there's definitely worth in there because it's like their pain to interpret and to experience and to try to make sense of. In terms of other people that also use it, I think it's very much a word that encapsulate, encapsulates that sense of good and evil in, in one word and, and your relation to that word is dependent on who you are and then also who's using it. And then also we could talk about power, but I also feel like if you're not at the center of the pain, it's not quite your place to dictate. How someone interprets. Exactly. Got you. Got you. Thank you for that. I just think it's one of those things that um, we would like to feel as a community that we can just, we can reclaim and we can use in our own way. And we, you know, it's, it's like, that's our word. If we want to, if we want to use it as a term of endearment, we can. If we want to use it as an insult, we can. But in reality, if you're walking down the street and you hear that word, it's going to trigger you. Your instant reaction is always going to be trigger. And then whatever follows, it's like, oh, wait, what do you look like? Where are you from? If you're, if you're a bit fairer, maybe state your background. Are you, are you mixed? Are you, you know, and there's, there's, too many, there's, there's too many elements of, like... There's too many filters you've got to run through to make it acceptable. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about things like corned beef or like oxtail. Like, okay, yeah, that was poor people food that was given to slaves as scraps or whatever. And now we, we took it back and we seasoned it our way. And we made it that special thing. No one can diss it now. You know, we are talking about something that genuinely generates pain in people instantly as it is heard until it's contextualized. So I just feel like... It's long. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> yeah. it's long. I just kind of leave it alone. Yeah. Um, but, but then, devil's advocate, I do strongly, like, I am a strong advocate for freedom of speech and free expression in music. So if that is the way that you speak in your area and that's the way that your neighborhood and the people that you're trying to reach to would understand you best, then you do what you have to do. And if that shuts other people out, then that, mus that music that you're creating might not just be for them, you know? It's just something personally, I just think it's best left alone. Yeah, yeah I, I think that was interesting, yeah, and it's kind of like alluded to um, in the chorus for Black of the Berry, right? Like, um, where he goes on to say, I'm, I'm not gonna like rap it how he raps it, but he says, you know, we had, um, you know, whips, um, on our back, and now we have, you know, whips as cars. You know, we were chains, and now we've got chains full of diamonds. Like, and then obviously we now have like the N word as well, and all of these have become, I guess, um, cultural reference points that not just people from our community can relate to, but people from outward of our of our community can, and it's taken on a whole new kind of world um, of its own, like. Does that kind of like speak to, I guess, finding a comfort zone in oppression or is that trying to fight one's way out of oppression? Like I said, I just think it's too messy. Yeah. Like, person, 
I went, <laughs> I don't even know if I want you to film this. I went to a, to, um, a Jay-Z concert once, right? And obviously Jay-Z, nigga what? Nigga who? Yeah, yeah. So Jay says, big O2 arena, Jay's like, right, this side of the room is going to be nigga what? This side of the room is going to be nigga who? I'm the only black person in my row. So yeah. I'm now surrounded by no one who looks like me screaming out, nigga what, nigga who. I felt weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, oh, we choosing violence on the train. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> because like, it's like, but, but it's contextual now. We're in the concert. It's okay. It's fine. We're just, we're just expressing ourselves. But I don't like this. This doesn't make me feel good. Do you know what I mean? But then if I was in my bedroom with a couple of my homies singing together, that might be a vibe. That's why I say I just feel like it's too messy. It creates, it instantly triggers you wherever you are, wherever you hear it, until you have context. Yeah. So it's long. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So just live short, happy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What just, life. Just choose short, short, nice oh words. Like, <laughs> just leave it alone. My brother, my sister, my babes, my beauty, my darling, whatever. Don't come at me, man. Yo. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Don't, don't do it. Hey, you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. My, my point is just basically like piggybacking off of that is I think as a community, there's a community within the community that are very selective. You see them online and... There's the sometime-ish, like, you know what? This person can get away with saying something because they got a black card. They're from the neighborhood. They, they can come to the cookout. Like, there are certain passes that I think that are made within the community off of experience. And I do find, like, in, in my experiences of going to the States specifically, I find that the experience of how the N-word is used in the States is very different to how it's used in the UK. If you have mandem, I have seen mandem like get into big fights because one day someone who wasn't black got very comfortable and dropped the M bomb. This person's fought with them, done done road with them, but the minute they got too comfortable, they held licks. However, in the States, I have seen and I know people who said, well, yeah, like they've grown up in the projects like us. They've had the same experiences as us. So that's, that's, that's my, you know, like, and just drop the word casually. So I feel like we're all fighting very different fights when it comes to that word. And we will never win. Like, I just feel like we're not going to win because now there's a glamour side of it that is used for music where that same Watch the Throne concert, the mosh pit opened up. <laughs> it was yeah. me, my friend, and <laughs> literally all of the N-bombs. And I'm like, oh, I'm so mad. But I'm going to just sing the song so I don't ruin my experience of this show. Because the reality is, they stood on stage, Kanye and Jay stood on stage and said, you guys have permission to use this word today, yeah. but don't use it outside of this context. So it's, it's one of those words, it's lose, I, I personally feel like it's losing the weight that it holds, but it still holds weight. Got you. I think the question was, what are our thoughts on the word nigger, I'm guessing? Is that the question? Well, if you want to put it bluntly. I call fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a very blunt guy. My friend will tell you I'm, I'm as blunt as fuck. But, um, so my view on the word is simply just this. I mean, like like um, the lovely lady over there, I believe in freedom of speech. People just say whatever they want. You know, people want to say the N word personally. I mean, they can because it's free speech. They want to say the other racial terms as well. 
But um, I think as a community, sometimes we're um, um, we're knee deep in hypocrisy. So, for example, um, you get so upset if someone says that says says the word nigger, but then if, if they're white, but if they're black, we kind of sort of give them give them a pass to it. And I think that I think either the word's going to be bad in all contexts, it's going to be good in all contexts. You can't say, oh, this person is this color; they can say the word. This person not this color; they can't say the word. Either it's all bad or it's all good. Experience of mine: I used to work in a supermarket. Uh, got into an argument with a, with a customer who was black, and he called me a nigger, and no one cared. And I thought to myself, hmm, if that guy was white, what would the reaction be? I said to a lady, I said, excuse me, if he was white, what would, you, what would your reaction be? And she couldn't answer the question. So either anyone can use the word, or no one can use the word. But it's about context. If someone says to me, what's up, my nigger? Black, white, Asian, I don't really give two, give two shits. If it's like, oh, you fucking nigger, it's like, right, mate, calm down there a bit, son. Do you know what I mean? So I think it depends on the context, but I don't think it should be, you're black, you can say this, you're white, you can't say this, you're Asian, you can't say this. I mean, either everyone says it or no one says it. Got you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, to kind of link with some of the points that the lady said over there, um, I think the way I see the word is, off is one, in its commercialization now, but also as an as it, as it has developed as a caricature. So, for one, the word has become so commercialized to the point where it's like, so when, you know, the, the, the common scenario of like, someone who's not white, so someone who's not black wanting to say it, it's like, oh, but this person said it on this song, so I want to say it because I heard it on this song and I like this song. And why can't I say it? Why can't I say it? And it's because the word has become so commercialized and become so so popular within like you know popular culture, popular like language. It's kind of like ah, uh, I want to be able to say it too because it's here and, and it's cool and it's cool. It's you, it's like it's become so commercialized. There's the you think of the you think of the word and you think there's you, there's dollar signs or pound signs attached to it, you know, and then the N word as a as a as a caricature like it as it has become, you know the the stereotypes of of, of the stereotypical N word you know how it has how the person it, it was weaponized and now when we think about it now how it refers to like you know, the, the lesser qualities of a black man, all amalgamated into one walking representation, you know, someone who 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 isn't educated or someone who is from a working class background. Or hypersexual. Hypersexualized, someone who's ignorant, someone who is indulgent, someone who who is, is frivolous with wealth. Like, it's the, the negative connotations all amalgamated into one physical representation. And how that has now been... Or archetype. Archetype, sorry. And how that has been co-opted. And now that it, that it now is now used as a weapon against, you know, a, a black person if a, a non-black person wants to use it. So it, it, it's, it's a difficult situation when you talk about trying to reclaim the word because uh, as much as, yes, I, I agree with some of the points that's been said, there's also these two new battlegrounds of where it's like, okay... How do you reclaim? How do you reclaim a word that word that has been s become so 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 demonized? One and two, that has like the 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 value in, in just 
throwing it in, in throwing it five times in the, in, a, in, a, in a verse, and now you know it's it's so catchy and everyone wants to sing it. Like these are two new backgrounds you have to navigate. Have to navigate. Like how do you do that in a realistic sense? Cool. But, yeah. Thank you. I have. I feel like I have like a tapestry of thoughts. I don't quite know which thread to to pick on. I think to address your point over there why is it okay for a black person to say it and it's not okay for a white person to say it? If it's wrong, then it should be wrong for all. I think what we're not or shouldn't at least do is sit here and pretend like we live in some ahistorical bubble where words don't have historical connotations, words don't have meanings, and words don't have associations. I, this is a separate point, but that sense of freedom of speech, okay, there's freedom of speech and there's freedom of consequences. Like You say that word as a white person, if you get rocked in your jaw, Firm it. Take that as freedom of consequences for your freedom of speech. <laughs> That's a separate point to what I'm actually saying. I think this sense of talking about things as if words don't have meaning, like we're all here because like we, we interpret music, we can talk about experiences and, and all the things that, that contains. I think when you're talking about, about the black community and I guess the, the multitude of experiences that come with that word, it's okay for us to have those conversations and to understand that different people experience that differently. If you're a white person with no historical ties to this word, why do you want to say, why, that's genuinely my, my interest here. Like, what does it do for you? Why do you want to say it? It's not enough to say my favorite rapper says X. You are aware in this modern age, Google is free, that this word has historical connotations. This word has people who say it, has people that don't. You frankly do not look like one of the people that even has jurisdiction to be discussing whether or not they should be saying this word. So as I said, freedom of speech, freedom of consequences. Um, that's, yeah, that's me on that. I also wanted to point out the fact that words, um, there's always a power dynamic that sometimes people ignore about certain things, like somebody being in a different level of uh, power or status within society and the understood hierarchy will have different meanings. If someone is rich and he looks at you and he says you're poor, and you can feel the venom behind that word poor, you're going to internalize it or you're going to feel something different about that word. Very great point, Garn. So I feel like sometimes context is very important, but also we can't forget the power dynamic that is involved in those interactions. And it would be great if we can be like everybody can use it or nobody can use it, but society is not at the level where everyone is on the same playing field. And I feel like the same way that... Uh, the Jewish community is able to penalize somebody or decide how they want that word or interaction towards them to be felt, we should have some level of control on how we are referred to and we are treated by communities outside of our, of it, our own. Idris, you're going to get us banned on YouTube, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play, continue. Um, so I feel like for that word to be discussed, um, there's a lot of understanding of the racial connotation, the historical context, and the power dynamics that comes with it. Within us, we can debate on the rights and wrongs of that word. Outside of us right now, I don't really see anyone else's opinion being as valid uh, in the input of whether they should say the word or not. Honestly, as Princess said, freedom of speech, freedom of consequences. If you're around me, I don't care how long we've grown up together, you utter that word, you receive the consequence that comes with it if you're not black. If you're black and you're saying it with venom, I would deal with you in a different way. But outside of that, there's, a, there's that sense when you have internal differences with your brother, you can beef your brother, 
But mm. if someone else gets to intervene in that, they don't have the say. And you can both line up and actually deal with that person. I feel like that's kind of where we are in the community. We do have our internal differences. We can debate about the validity of these words or whether we should still use it. But it would be a mistake for us to allow everyone else to, imp to, to, to participate in that conversation when we're not on the same page. The word is poison. In my view, if you look at it, hip-hop is historically an African-American culture, yeah? And look at who called African-Americans that word and why they called them that word. They called them that word to rob them of their, to rob us, not them, to rob us all, all black people, of our humanity, to point to the worst aspects, the worst lies and stereotypes they can think about, about bl of black people, and put it into this word. And listen, if, if a white person sells you poison, it's poison. And in my view, if I'm selling you poison, it's still poison. And I just would prefer that we just define ourselves by our own words, not the words of our oppressors. That's my view. Oh, God. That would, that would open a can of worms. Very great point. I think we're going to leave it there. You know, bloody hell, man. Um, <laughs> bloody hell. Um, no, thank you so much, man. That was such a brilliant. Um, that was such a brilliant discussion. Um, oftentimes, you know, myself and Liam, you know, we kind of brainstorm some themes or questions, you know, of how we kind of want to frame these events. But it always just kind of takes, you know, a life of its own, and you know, that's very much um, the beauty, you know, of us being able to come together and and discuss, you know, not just the music, so to speak but also the broader elements broader emotional elements in which these um in which these albums you know touch upon you know we very much you know see ourselves as a music community and um you know we're really thankful for everyone you know coming out and taking the time to to join um us today make sure um, if you want to keep up with us, that you follow us on our socials, which is um, Beats Fam's Debate on Instagram. Here you'll see, you know, cut-ups of the conversation that we've seen today alongside um, other events um, that we've done today. It's not done before um, as well. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah, that brings us to a close. And before we do, I just want to give, like, special thanks to a few people. Um, so Liam, um, who works tirelessly in the background, if you could just give him a hand. <laughs> Daniel, passing the mics very efficiently. <laughs> um, Luke being a great um, videographer as always. And if we can, you know, just give a round of applause to all ourselves for, you know, indulging in a great night and contributing to great conversation. Okay, thanks everyone. I'm Jordan. I've been your host tonight. See you next time. Peace.